Welcome to Break a Wish, the podcast where all your dreams come true, but with terrible ironic costs. I'm your host, Maddox Campbell. Joining us today, we have Zoe Kin. Hi. And Shannon LaHaye. Hello. And the movie we're talking about is Liar Liar, the 1997 <laughs> Jim Carrey film. Uh, I will say that I had not rewatched this since I watched it as a blockbuster video rental shortly after it was released. I had very little memory of the specifics of this film. And yep, it's 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 a bit dated. <laughs> Did not eat well. <laughs> what about you, Shannon? I remember you being excited when oh, we found out this was the film we were going to watch. I need to full on confess. So <laughs> I saw the list and I saw Liar Liar on the list and I loved Liar. I saw it in the theaters. I saw it like, and I was young, 1997. Like I, at that point was like freshly 11. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I loved it when it came out. I remember it fondly. I remember watching it um, at like friends' houses as a kid. Um, and so when I saw it, I was like, oh, I th-. and like, to be clear, I have not watched this since I was like a teenager. You know, it's like a movie, like The Sandlot is another example of a movie I haven't seen in years. And I remember loving it. And then I rewatch it and I'm like, huh. <laughs> I think I said to you, Maddox, I think I'm like, I would say this is like my favorite Jim Carrey movie. And then I, yeah, was, yeah. And I rewatched it and I was like, I'm ashamed of myself. Because <laughs> you had a different movie in your mind, right? Like the, I, what, what had stayed in the mind was like only specific parts or only specific beats. Exactly. I don't want to like go too far ahead, but there are like the when I think of that movie, I think of like the pen scene or the scene where he's being pulled over or the scene in the bathroom. Like those are the scene or like Carrie Elways is in it or like the claw. Like that's what I thought of. <laughs> and within a minute into the movie, I went, this is awful <laughs> <laughs> okay so zoe how about you what i you... give it a thumbs down <laughs> <laughs> had you seen it before ever had you heard about it what what did you know about this film going in i have never heard of it i have like you it, when i found out it was jim carrey i was intrigued only because he is canadian um <laughs> and i was very disappointed <laughs> yeah. this is like the height of jim carrey's like this is when he was well known for things this is when you would put him as a lead in a film and you knew that he would you know sell out the blockbuster lots of people would go see it right. it's just it's like a jim carrey vehicle <laughs> like, yeah it's it's oh yeah it's very much a film built around them knowing that they have jim carrey cast because if we are going to say what is good about it before we probably spend the rest of the session episode ripping into it like it is a lot of Jim Carrey doing what Jim Carrey does well, which is making funny voices, making funny faces, shouting, screaming, and running around, <laughs> flailing his arms like a human Muppet. Like he does that a lot in this, and he still does a good job at doing the Jim Carrey thing. I don't appreciate his comedy. Ha- have you yeah. ever appreciated his comedy, or is no. it in this one specifically? I don't okay. like any of his movies. I've watched Yes Man. I've watched. Oh the, no, yes, man, it's terrible. The, yeah, I've watched the, the whole the God Almighty. Uh, mm. I watched Ace Ventura. Mm. Um, did not like any of his movies. Huh. I wonder if a lot of them just don't hold up well because I do think of them as very. They, there is something juvenile about his style of humor. Like I've not been excited about a new Jim Carrey movie for a long time, but I do also remember loving them as a kid because of yeah, funny voices, lots of screaming. Moments that made, you know, 11-year-old me laugh a lot. 
He is very comical. He's he's very comical. I didn't like. I remember not liking Ace Ventura. I remember love like I've and I've recently watched The Mask. I feel relatively comfortable saying I let. I still do enjoy The Mask, but yeah, like you're breaking it down, Zoe, and you're mentioning movies, and I'm going, yeah, that's right. Those are also not good movies. <laughs> why? <laughs> why do I love Jim Carrey so much? I because I do. I truly I do. But the more we talk about his filmography, the more I'm like, uh-huh. No, like, <laughs> I feel like he's just a very unique actor. Um, but there's not 10 of Jim Carrey's because his skill would be overkill if everyone was like him. So he's a like movie, a, yeah. a unique <laughs> Oh no, um, any movie that somehow had two Jim Carrey's in it would would be a travesty. That would not work at all. Like if you had like a movie where Jim Carrey clones himself and then there's another Jim Carrey, that would be too much. Like it, just one Jim Carrey is the only thing that could make a movie work. Well, that's why they never made that movie. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Oh, I swore to that for a second. I thought I had made up a movie that actually did exist. Let's talk about what what are some of the specific things that really don't work about this movie cuz yeah, we're all talking about it sort of vaguely that it's just a bit much. Jim Carrey overacts, and I think we're all aware of that, and he's doing that purposely for comedic effect. But what are some of the other things that just kind of fall apart in this for you guys? Man, like just their portrayal of women. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I've to me, the portrayal of women is like the the – it's terrible, but it's like the least problematic thing. <laughs> They're not overly... Um, the writing is so bad. Jesus, were you like watching the movie? The writing had so many gaps. It made no sense. All the characters were uh, really shallow and weak and just had no depth. His wife, his ex-wife, is so permissive and forgiving <laughs> about him being the word. Like, honest to God, the name of this movie should be... Uh, uh, like a uh, straight white asshole says whatever he thinks to little or no consequences. <laughs> yeah, I, that's definitely the thing of like, even, even in, I, at the, by the end of the film, you're like, wait, shouldn't someone still be mad at him? <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't he be held accountable in some regard? Like, yeah. Because I, 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 I am, what I notice the most about this movie overall, and I'm sorry, because we can go back to, I want to go back to the portrayal of women, but what I noticed about the movie overall was it wasn't about, because the, the thing is, he's not supposed to be able to lie, but it's not that he's, it's not that he's like, uh-oh, I can't lie, so I have to say this. It's just, he's just saying shitty, racist, homophobic, sexist, fatphobic stuff that's not even a lie. It's, it's neither a lie or not a lie. It's just a terrible thing to say. It's, <laughs> it's not that he can't lie. It's that he can't keep his fucking mouth shut. Like the few... <laughs> The few moments that I think work are the moments when he's trying to lie about an actual lie. Like he gets pulled over and the cops like, do you know why I pulled you over? That makes sense for him to now then just say everything that happened. Cause that's funny. Cause yeah, he can't lie, but just going up to someone and calling them fat. Like that's not a, that's not a lie. That's just mean. Like this movie could be very funny. There's, there's no reason the movie had to be this problematic. <laughs> well, it feels, it's like a Hallmark movie. Yeah. And it's got like, you know, that whole very cr- Christmassy, uh, nuclear household, suburban, um, like dynamic and environment. And, oh, so boring. Like very, very generic. <laughs> 
And it does yeah. have a bunch of times it plays like stock emotional music to try to get you to feel emotional about something. Like oh the kid God. will make a sad face or something. It's like, yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. But like, you should just- know by now, kid. <laughs> they, they play like a sexy saxophone every time like that lawyer woman walks into the scene. It's very subtle, but it's so uh-huh. like, ooh, trumpet, sexy woman. Yeah. All the women are like these weird like sex vipers or they're like grayish like uh dried up prudes or they're the <laughs> one woman he he wants or that he misses and she just uh, you know the most like there's a moment where he like he asks if she's having sex with a new boyfriend and she's like uh, well i mean it's been 7 months so like, <laughs> and it's like i the re- the correct response to that is none of your fucking business don't ask me those questions and then and then she jokingly is like well as you recall in our marriage i wasn't having a lot of sex but you were <laughs> look at max and it's like what are you talking about like, I'm still bitter at my ex. I'm still bitter at my ex about a time he was like, are you bringing your purse? And it was only because he wanted to put his wallet in it. Like, that <laughs> that still makes me angry to my core. And a man, like your ex who is chronically late picking up your child, you cannot rely on him to be a cohesive parenting team. He's constantly making fun of your new partner. He's creating a toxic environment. He's known to be a liar. He cheated on you repeatedly. He doesn't respect you and... <laughs> like fuck you yeah i agree no one should like jim carrey's character in the first place in this and then it's absurd that they do not follow up when he becomes more overtly terrible than he already was he's like i really want to see my son and he surprises himself when he says that like he never loved his son which is sweet it's played for sweet so that also makes you think if he didn't realize he loved his son why was he trying so hard to be in his son's life before that oh it was just to be awful and to like assert control and to piss off his ex-wife oh that's dark uh uh-huh look I'm in all honesty, I'm overwhelmed about what to talk about. <laughs> I, like yeah. so I, I agree with everything that you're saying, except for I think you probably should forgive your ex-boyfriend about that wallet thing. That seems no, like a bit fuck much. that guy. <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring it. I was looking forward to a night of not having to carry around a ten pound bag and he was like and when he was like, Are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna bring your purse? Holding his keys and his wallet in his hands. And I was like, No. No. Okay, the way he did it makes it worse. Okay, I, I, I'm on your on your side yeah. again. <laughs> I felt like, okay, I, I did not appreciate any acting in the movie, but I wondered, is it even possible to have a mm. good uh, actorly moment or or uh, process with such terrible writing? Can we can we give a little love to Carrie Elways? Just a touch love, just a touch love to the bo- the boyfriend Jerry, because like I love Carrie Elways, and I feel like Jerry got done very dirty in this like it is inexplicable why he's not better liked by the ex-wife like there's no reason for it (laughs) that's true he's a wonderful man he's a wonderful man who so openly loves max and makes time for him and is supportive of like of of i don't even remember the ex-wife's name that's how little attention to her personality the gave. yeah Uh, i forgot her name yeah. Wendy. 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 Is it? <laughs> I don't even think We're it is. We're calling her Wendy. Okay. Sure, Zoe's we'll go with Wendy, Wendy from here on. 
The saving yeah. grace of the movie was her beauty. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, every time her face appeared on the screen, I'm like, that's a beauty queen. Mm-hmm. It's a gorgeous woman. She's, what did someone call her? I was talking to a friend about it and they called her a Jennifer Aniston type. And I agree. Wow. Yeah, that's, well, my thought kept on being like, that, that's not Jennifer Aniston. Well, maybe it is. Oh, no, it's not. But, oh, ah. So I was distracted whether she was beautiful or not, just because I was like, I think it's Jennifer Aniston, but I also am getting an Uncanny Valley effect because it isn't. You know, the movie was so bad, I had to find other things to appreciate in a scene. Like, <laughs> like you know, the secretary, the receptionist. of Yeah. yeah. Sherry O'Terry. She was wearing this beautiful silk blouse. And I'm like, that's a nice top. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, can I tell you a, a, a moment... Okay, do you know the part where that woman is telling the story about her friend who was sued oh, yes. by the burglar? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. In university, we were in, we were having a discussion. Uh, I, I don't even remember what the full discussion was, but it, the discussion was a, like it was a theater degree, right? So there was a lot of like talking about like the system and and things like that, and and so we were doing sort of like a thoughtful discussion about uh, the litigious system and how people are out to get each other and this sort of like uh, vendetta sort of thing. And Anyway, so this girl in my class puts up her hand and she goes, there's a story of a person who uh, they were at, like someone was trying to break into their home and then tells this story, tells this story verbatim from the movie. And the whole class goes, are you quoting liar, liar? And she she went, okay, fine. But I still think it's a very good point. (laughs) It might have been a good point if she didn't pretend it was the thing that happened to her friend. It's like you can't use a fictional plot point as evidence to your argument. Like um, I know a story, similar story that's even darker, but on the same vein. There was a, a story that goes around New Brunswick, and I, again, I think it's a real story, but I'm not sure. But it was like an old man kept on being uh, upset because kids were breaking into his house and stealing his liquor. Well, so he swapped out his liquor with poison. No, that's not how you fix that problem. It's no, it's not how you fix that problem at all. But then the legal precedent was like <laughs> he just was storing liquor in his house in or he was storing poison in his house in liquor bottles. So they only could have stolen it if they stole from him, but then he definitely did it knowingly, so he definitely also did a murder. Wow. So yeah. it's like that same thought experiment but you darker know. and eviler. Wow. Let's talk about that for 45 minutes. <laughs> That might have gone off topic, but just like, yeah, that's the story I would have called up in that same scenario instead of quoting the movie Liar, Liar and pretending it was my friend. Would, would yeah. you have put poison in alcohol bottles? I would. <laughs> I would not have. I would not have killed teenagers. I might have put a laxative in. I could see that being in like the gray area where you're like, okay. That's Punish. fun comeuppance, you know? That's like, oh, just desserts. That's something where they're uncomfortable for an evening and they've learned their lesson. Poison is a pretty permanent punishment, and I find it hard to get on board with those. Well, Yeah, not- it's one of those things. You want to make sure the punishment matches the crime, and excessive punishment basically well, I makes... Well, I wouldn't want to kill them. I just want to give them a tummy ache. Oh, okay. Yeah. This, this was murder poison is in the story. So, uh, yeah, tummy ache poison is probably okay. Okay. So you got to be worried that one of the kids has like a condition or something and he's like allergic to the poison you pick. Zoe, what's a tummy ache poison? <laughs> a tummy ache poison? It's like um, maybe kombucha that hasn't been <laughs> regulated. <laughs> I, 
I I could not agree more. I didn't know what you were going to say, but as soon as you said kombucha, I was like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so we found how to catch them. Okay. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to circle back a little bit to something that Shannon was talking about earlier, which is how do we think the magic is supposed to work in this? Because the idea of like, you can't tell a lie. There's two ways to think about that. And the movie seems inconsistent about which one is in play. Because there's the one where you can't say something that you know is untrue. And there's the one where you can't say something that is untrue and the magic like checks the universe and is also a, a truth detector while you're doing it. Right. Which one do we think is in play here? Because one, um, he gets surprised by knowledge of himself by his own, like loving his son. Yeah. Which, okay. And then also there's times when he says like mean things to people that it seems to allow. That it's not it, because it's what he thinks. So it's like, yeah, it's like he says terrible things because it, he's he's being honest about what he thinks. In those cases, those are his opinions. Right. So it's it's not that it's true that uh, someone who's fat is worthless. It's that that's what he <laughs> believes, and so therefore it's it's a truth about him. However, it's not a moment where he had to lie or not lie, like. It seems to be that he just, it's not, it's not just that he can't lie. It's also that like these thoughts just come out, he, whatever he thinks is going to come out of his mouth, whatever he thinks. Yeah. There's that as well. Sorry. I know there's like the, also the thing of like, it does also seem like whether or not he knows something to be the truth, if it comes out of his mouth, it's a universal truth because the magic won't let him lie about anything. Yeah. It seems to do that in some moments, but I think in most moments, you're right. Most moments, it's what he believes. Which also makes me very confused because there's at least one moment where he keeps on yelling, I'm Jose Conseco, I'm Jose Conseco. And the magic just seems okay with him lying about his no, identity. No, no, no. He's not lying about his identity. That's who he was supposed to be. He and his son were going to play baseball later. And his son's like, you're going to be Jose Conseco. So that's the equivalent of you being like, I can't be arrested. I'm playing Macbeth in a play later. I'm Macbeth. I'm Macbeth. It's that, right? I still feel like the magic should stop him. And also a lot of the times when he does like an impression or something, it feels like the magic should stop that. Cause like it's Jim Carrey goofing around and he's like, I'm, I'm going to do a, an impression. Like I'm a baseball player. I'm like, I don't no, know. A lot of his oh. impressions are racist. <laughs> Let's be that too. Oh my God. Too. Remember in the beginning of the movie where he was like talking like a rap rapper and then yes. the wife was like, Oh, and you defend those people. Yes. <laughs> and he talked do you, like, do you, do you remember the amount of like Native American uh, or oh Aboriginal like like stereotypical like minstrelly activities he did? Like the amount of times he did like that like mouth hand noise more than once that happened. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, it's not great, but I'm sure it didn't raise any eyebrows in 1997 it, to a general audience. It's right. true, it didn't. Because like I rewatched it being like, how did I not remember all of this? Like maybe I'm more adult now, maybe maybe I'm more mature, but I think it's also like maybe I'm more aware of how shitty it all is. Yeah, I think at the time, like a huge portion of comedy was ju just thought about that as I'm doing a funny voice. And that was the that was the only extent of like comedy's thought into the idea of doing an impersonation of another racial group or another culture or something like that is just like, yeah, it's not my voice. So it's a funny voice. It'll make this joke funnier. And they yeah. didn't think of all of the millions of implications that flow out of that, that we now have started to look into. And well, comedy is becoming more sensitive to the world. Like 
global matters and cultures and wanting to be more educational than just ignorant, right? Yeah, it seems like like comedy is more concerned about, is this funny for everyone? Mm-hmm. Like, like when we say that this movie didn't age well, or like when we when we watch movies like this and we're like, well, you know, that was kind of like of the time and we know better now, which is like, okay, we can say that, but we have to acknowledge that like of that time, it must have sucked to be any of those demographics then because like mm-hmm. those people were still, be- it's not that that wasn't hurtful. It's yeah. just we weren't acknowledging it was hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't even think we're at the point now where we're like, is this funny for everyone? I think it's just at that point, we weren't at the point was, is this incredibly hurtful to someone? Right. And we, we didn't ask that question at all. Cause I don't think every comedy has to be funny to everyone, but like it shouldn't be hurtful to someone for no reason who doesn't, does it like it's, if you get, if you're going to hurt someone with your comedy, it better be someone who deserves it, who's actually done something wrong. You know, the punching up, punching down mentality that comedies are based on. But like even even without all the offensive gestures, um, if Jim Carrey just like being his usual over over the top um, exaggerated acting, I don't think there's a place for him in today's film and television because he's just not believable or he doesn't really fit the tastes of modern comedy anymore. I don't know. I- I think he's also really changed up his style. I haven't watched it yet, but he had that he had that show. Oh gosh, I forget. It was a very he was playing a very Mr. Rogers type character that got a lot of a, like acclaim. Oh. Um, but I think I think you're right. I think and I think I feel this way about a lot like the m- movies from the 90s are a style. Do you know what I mean? Right. You watch a movie from the 90s yeah. and it is a style. Just like when you watch a movie from like the 50s, there's a style to it. And I don't right. think that style really exists anymore. Just like the 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 classic multicam sitcom, well, there are still some of those. Like how many how many modern sitcoms still have like a live studio audience with a laugh track? And the ones that do, how many of them are you like, oh God? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and I think there's there's new styles that almost feel the same way now, and like, or at least we're probably like transitioning out the ones we that are we're in now. We probably don't see as well, but even just a couple years ago, you can think of like the style of comedy that was, uh, you know, loosely improvised a lot of the bits and had a lot of those long bits that where they just sort of riffed on things. Riffing was a big style in comedy for a while, and that's like the two thousands style. Yeah, so it does change in styles. I love. I, I, think Jim Carrey has his uses still, but I don't, he shouldn't be used the way he was used in the 90s. No, what were you going to say, Zoe? Oh, I just, I just love that. I, I feel like comedy is becoming smarter because society is mm-hmm. becoming smarter. Like we're mm-hmm. collectively becoming more educated. And so naturally uh, it's going to be reflected in, in our entertainment from, you know, really dumb physical comedy like Charlie Chaplin, Mr. Bean, Jim Carrey, um, the Three Stooges, you know, to like you said, those live um, multicam sitcoms like The Big Bang Theory. Uh, like I, I hated those, and I tend, I tended to go for like the more thoughtful ones, like um, Thirty Rock. Um, oh yeah, Parks and Rec, uh, where where the writing was really good, and it was like the relationships. Um, that drove the the arc of the show instead of just oh this is a character being outlandish ha 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 
You know, like we're so much more complex and layered and we expect that from what we consume. Yeah. like Yeah. Like the slapsticky, because like old school slapstick can still be really fun, but you still watch it and you're like, yeah, yeah, this, but this is funny because of like how nuanced and new it was like when it was relatively new. Like mm-hmm. it's now it's like, you've seen it all before, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. Okay. And then he's going to get a pie in the face. Ha 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 ha. Like there's, there's not really, it's the innovative new sort of, and like, I'm sure people in in like uh, 15 years from now are going to look at stuff from this time period and be like, oh, we're more nuanced now than we were back then. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, there's still a place for slapstick physical comedy for sure. I, I've never been a big fan of, yeah, the stuff that's full, just character work. Um, but like, there are still things that slapstick is moving more into other spaces, like basically slapstick comedy is TikTok videos, right? Mm. Like we're ingesting our, our slapstick comedy in short little bursts right? in so much of our internet content that we don't feel like building a whole film around it, but we're still doing slapstick comedy. Like there's so many videos out there that just like the way he said that thing or the way he jumped out of that thing, the way that guy got hit in the face in this video. And we still share those broadly. So slapstick's not going away we're just yeah we're we're shifting in our styles and how we utilize the different tools of comedy and i think jim carrey himself got tired of what he was doing because if you look at his career right after the 90s that were the height of the most jim carrey-esque jim carreyness that's when he goes into stuff like eternal uh sunshine of the spotless mind which was like his slow plotting art film style and and other stuff like that which is what where he was for a bit I have yeah, a well, there's also the Truman Show. Sorry. Truman Show, yeah, exactly. I have a question regarding the movie, the Liar Liar movie for you two. If you guys weren't allowed to lie for a day, how much trouble would you, you get? That is a very good question because I think most of us probably wouldn't get in that much. <laughs> I th- right? I think it depends on what I have to do that day. Like, Because <laughs> like, like, I'm thinking of when I worked in uh, – I mean, when I worked in customer service, like not that I was like deliberately lying to people, but there's certain things that you have to sort of change how you say it. Um, And not because we're trying to like swindle anyone just because people flip out over not understanding things. So the times I was on the phone trying to explain like a payment process and people being like, well, why am I being charged this? And the the reality is it's like, well, you're being charged that because this is a corporation that makes money off of charging you fees. Like, yeah, but I can't say that. I have to say like, well, you know, it's our, it's our standard fee in order for us to blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's that, that sort of stuff. But like, I don't know, day to day, I in general try to behave how I believe people should behave. I can't say I lie horrifically to people. I yeah. I, I in my day to day, I very much believe in trying to tell the truth as much as possible, which makes me come off as a little bit rude. Oh my! If God. I was magically unable to lie, it would just make me slightly more rude because there's a couple places where I've learned, you know, the right thing to say, and I I, I, I muddle the truth to get away with it. Yeah. Uh, one example would be like I've been doing some. I do some teaching for young kids, um, and when I say great job. <laughs> Because they call it a very simple instruction. Yeah. I don't mean it. Yeah. I mean, all right, great. We're moving forward. I'm happy we're moving forward. I don't mean great job. I mean, I'm just happy to move on to the next thing. And I guess I still think all of acting would be technically lying to magic. Like, I understand the difference. 
I don't consider it a lie when I stand on stage and, and say I'm someone else or say someone else's words. But I don't think magic would have that nuance. And I think- No, I don't think that's a nuance though. I, I feel very strongly about the difference between acting and lying because like people try and use that towards discrediting the believability of actors a lot. There is a contract we all enter. You walk into that theater and you understand what you're seeing is pretend. So I'm not lying to you. You know exactly what I'm doing. I don't think it's a nuance. I think it's a very clear setting and boundary that we're setting. If you're acting, quote unquote, but no one else knows that you're acting and they're leaving thinking that that really happened, that's lying. If there is a contract that has been made with the audience and with the people around you that uh, we're pretending then it's not lying it's an art form and i don't think i don't think i think magic would be like yeah for sure they're not lying because <laughs> this is this is what we've all agreed is happening so this isn't a lie this is an agreement we've entered i see what you're saying my my counter would be is like the way i view acting is uh like i get that we have that contract that this is that we're all we're it's me saying i'm about to lie to you and we know that so it's not Disagree. dishonest <laughs> But I am lying to you. And if I'm good enough at it, if I'm good enough, you'll believe me, even though you know it's a lie. No, disagree. I am disagree. I am disagree. I am finding a truth and I am connecting to a truth in order to make this a believable scenario that we've all agreed is pretend. So it's it's good acting is not based in lies, right? Sorry, Zoe. You 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 asked a question, and then we answered it. And what? <laughs> how would yeah, you? I'd love to hear your. Yeah, we we're kind of getting into a whole big semantic argument about a thing that's overly uh, inside baseball for actors, I guess. But I would love to hear your opinion now, Zoe. I am so confused. What is the conflict? <laughs> <laughs> it is so subtle. She's wondering what we're arguing about. <laughs> that at. at uh, lying and acting are the same thing, and I don't think they are. No, yeah, I, I think I think it's using lying for good, but I I think it, again it's just a semantic argument. I don't no. think it's dishonest. Well, lying, I think it is lying. Lying would fall under the umbrella of acting. It's like all puppies are dogs, not all dogs are puppies. <laughs> no, lying is acting, but acting is not lying. Get okay. it? <laughs> yeah, I very much agree. I very much agree. I think that's Thank a great way you. to put it. Okay. I understand what you're saying, and uh, I agree with the general idea of it. I am a great armchair philosopher. Come to me <laughs> with all your questions. Um, but Zoe, would you have a hard time in your day-to-day if you couldn't lie? Um, you- I'm, I've been told most of my life that I don't have a filter. And I've gotten into like trouble a lot for what I say. Um, so I'm like more, I lean more honest. I think that's, a, I love that you said that because I think I'm having a hard time differentiating the the moments where Jim Carrey just can't lie. So he mm-hmm. says a truthful thing that gets him in trouble. Like when the secretary's like, I wanted a raise and you said that that wouldn't be allowed. Was that true? And then he has to come, he has to sort of fess up that, no, this is what actually happened. Mm-hmm. To me, that is very different than someone walking to your office and you going, "Hey, fatty!" Like that's that's <laughs> not that's not an that's not a moment of uh oh, you got caught that you couldn't lie. That's just that's that's a, that's just a shitty thing to say. Like right. while it while it while it may be true that a person is fat criticizing them or in, in in some way insinuating that there's something wrong and awful about that is just that's just a terrible fucking thing to say and that's not true yes. and 
like someone said this to me once and I've I've always held on to it that like truth without tact is cruelty. So when people mm. say something to you and you're like, ow, they're like, I'm just being honest. And it's like, right, right. but you're also not being careful or considerate. So fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I guess I wonder, like, I know the example they use in the film is not great. It just someone showing someone that you're fat is not that. But there are scenarios, I think, where you like have to soft lie to say things in the nice way. Can um, you understand? Do you guys think that that's still true? Like, I, you know, when Shannon was talking about the whole, you know, truth without, like, tact is cruelty. And you're right. Like, you know, sometimes when I I was working in retail and you'd had pregnant women be like, I'm expecting and be so happy. And they look at you expecting happiness and joy. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not happy for you. I don't want more people. And (laughs) you're a part of the problem. Yeah. And I just would, say, would saying congratulations be a lie in that so scenario. I do. I say congratulations with like um, a pleasant but somewhat flat tone. And That's just being polite, though. You're being polite in that regard. Yeah, and if I was truthful, I would give her the whole spiel on like, <laughs> don't but be a mom. Would you do it unprompted, like? Someone saying, I'm pregnant, they're not asking you if you're happy about that. They're just, they're happy about it. And the polite thing is to, but if that woman were like, do you want children? You, by all means, are allowed to say how you truly, you were asked. You were asked. You get to say what you think at that point. Mm -hmm. And they, like, when you're asked for your opinion, as long as you're not like, no, and I think people like you are destroying our world. Like, that's, see, that's, (laughs) that's just mean. But like, no, I, I don't. I don't want children, and um, you know, it's not something I'm interested in, or it's not something that like I I don't think we need more people in the world. Like I think those are valid things for you to think and feel and say. Yeah. So, am I lying when I say congratulations? I I think kind of like, and the same thing would be like, what if you say have a good day or have a nice day to someone, and and you don't mean it? Like that same sort of like. These basic pleasantries. I think those are technically lies. I don't think you just have to stand silently and stare at the person instead of saying congratulations or have a good day or good luck if you don't mean it, if you really didn't mean it, if you really didn't wish good things on them. Hmm. So that'll make you seem mean. (laughs) Remember when the boy was asked to unwish and he couldn't unwish it because he didn't mean it? Yeah. Yeah. So the magic means you got to feel it. You got to feel it if you're going to say it. So then by that logic, what we've learned is that Jim Carrey means and feels everything he says. And he says a lot of disgusting, awful things. So why are we happy for this man at the end of the movie when he gets everything he wants when he's, oh, he's awful. (laughs) He's terrible. And like, yes, he has that moment where he's like regretful, but like too fucking late. (laughs) Also, and I would like to point this out just because this occurred to me almost instantly, but the movie makes the big, uh, Central problem is she wants to move to Boston with her new boyfriend and she's going to take the son. So he will lose his son. But like, he's a pretty wealthy lawyer. He he could also move to Boston. <laughs> right? 
Yeah. Well, he's about to make partner in this firm, which is the big thing. That's the big inciting incident for him. That's why he's like oh, yeah. keeps screwing up because he really wants to make partner in this firm. And it's been made clear at the top that he's been trying for some time and it's just not happening. So finally, he's going to make partner. And, uh, you know, he could move to Boston, but he'd have to start all over again trying to make partner. Yeah. And I, I get that. But I mean, like the it's shown as like it's an impossible thing. He'd never, ever get to see his son again. But like. If he cared enough, he he could move to Boston. It's he not cared enough. He'd show up on time at the first place. Like <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's it's not an unsolvable problem. It's shown up as like this impossible, no way to get out of it. But if he just if he just cared about other people a little bit, the central conflict of the film kind of kind of falls apart. Just the physics of him chasing the airplane on the stairs was also ridiculous. Not believable at all. <laughs> no, like, no. This is su- such a cartoon. It's like a live action cartoon show. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think that's a great reminded, way to sum up Jim Carrey movies. Reminded yeah, me especially early Jim Carrey. Yeah, lo- he's like a Looney Tune character. Mm-hmm. Although, I'm going to be honest, I do love that scene. That's like one of the things <laughs> I think of. Because I remember as a kid laughing really hard at his face, yelling, but there's compl- – I think that's a good bit. I think – I give this to this movie. That's a good bit. <laughs> someone, someone who you can't hear, it's complete silence and absolutely tranquil inside that plane. And the chaos happening on the other side, but the visual of it is his face mm-hmm. in the wind and him clearly screaming, but you can't hear it. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. That just works, yeah. I think we've uh, ripped this film fully to shreds. <laughs> okay, wait. Okay, wait. I have a thought. I, I have a thought exercise. Yeah. I think it's possible to redo this movie today and that it still could be funny and not offensive and not hurtful mm-hmm. if you tweak it. And I, I don't even mean like you need Jim Carrey to do it. I just mean like the concept – of someone not being able to lie for an entire day and how that can like really like affect them and hurt them and cause like wacky consequences, I think is still a viable premise, but I would change so much of the rest of it. (laughs) Yes. I think, I think the mistake they made in the premise that was made in the time that we'd have to update to the, to the premise itself is that, he is such a terrible person in this and you need him to be a terrible person for not being able to lie for a single day to actually lead to that many consequences. But the film expects us to still like him early on and then be happy when he succeeds in the end. Whereas I think if you do this now, you either have to have him like have it be a tragedy where he's a terrible person and he gets comeuppance and we all think he deserves it. And that's fine. And that's, it's the other people around him having a happy ending that we think is good or have him grow more than like do one nice thing once ever in his life before he comes out of it. Like he has to grow a whole lot more than that. I think there's a philosophy called radical honesty. Have you guys ever heard of it? I've heard of it, but I don't know the full details. Me neither. (laughs) Oh, I thought I was so excited. I'm like, Oh, here she goes. (laughs) You're going to learn a thing. Well, that'll, I guess that'll be our post-podcast homework. Everyone look up Radical Honesty and see if it would inevitably cause you to live out a Jim Carrey film. Yeah. I don't think it would. <laughs> I don't think that's the how, obvious outcome. 
How satisfying would it have been, though, if this movie ended with her going to Boston with the new boyfriend with Max and Jim Carrey having to, like, commit to, okay? I am going to make the commitment to fly to Boston every other weekend to see my, like, having to see him make concrete, huge changes in his life mm-hmm. um, as a result of seeing how his lies hurt people and not have him end up with his wife, like, his ex-wife staying and maybe they're going to get back together and his son's around and now he's going to be a good dad. It's like, I think it would have been more satisfying for him not to have gotten everything in the end, but yeah. still be like, I deserve all of this. I would have preferred if they had moved to Boston and then the son grew up and went to Harvard and then MIT. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. We want we want good things for the son. The son doesn't deserve the situation he's in for sure. He looks so cute. He's, so cute. <laughs> he's one of those quintessential I, 90 kid actors, isn't he? Wasn't he in a bunch of stuff? Oh, maybe. Though I would I would warn you against looking up what child actors look like now because that doesn't always turn out super well. He reminded me of Zach and Cody. Oh. I don't know specifically anything about this kid, but like I've just a couple of times been like, I wonder what happened to that cute kid actor. And I look it up and uh, child like actors Nick, don't always Nick do well in adult life. Oh, that's because pedophiles run everything. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Thank you so much uh, to Shannon and Zoe for joining me. And everyone else will have another wish and another film next week. Bye. Well, that's what we came up with, but we want to hear from you. Tell us your thoughts. You can find us on Twitter at BreakAWishPod, email BreakAWishPod at gmail.com, join the BreakAWish discussion group on Facebook, and you can support the show by writing a review, telling a friend, or buying a t-shirt on TeePublic. All this information at BreakAWish.ca. For more Shannon LaHaye, you can check out her improvised escape room podcast, Escape Cabade, which kicks off season two starting tomorrow. Find it at thesonarnetwork.com. For more Zoe Kin, she'll give you a tarot card reading for $20 if you want. Just send her a message on Facebook. This is a Kicks and Giggles Entertainment production, hosted by Maddox Campbell, themed by Matthew Reed, cover art by Justin Langford, and a proud member of the Sonar Podcast Network. More podcasts at thesonarnetwork.com. So, what would you wish for? This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! On June 9th, you find yourself in an attic, wine cellar, waiting room for a clinic, trapped in an enclosed private garden, sitting in a small two-door car, completely submerged in water. The room is back. I'm Shannon LaHaye, host of Escape Capade. Oh, I see. I understand. Which one? What is this? Is this one like the rock on hand? I invite two comedians to come onto my show and describe to them in great detail a room that they're trapped in. Dude, look look at this wine. Perfect. That's all we need. I'm getting drunk. What's that thing where they put the food on to to make it hot? Haven't a clue. They hear it for the first time live during recording, and the rest is improvised. Can I take the wall hanging down? I'll go. Let's read the message together. Okay. Let me uh, clean my glasses. Oh, come on. <laughs>
Six, seven so far. I'm gonna just try eight. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what the the risk of that is. Yeah, let's just try eight. Sure. A whole new season of Escape Capade begins on June 9th. Did that make sense? What I like? I to me it did because I'm your sister. On Sonar or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 